for joining me to celebrate 10,000 downloads of my new podcast, Ask Dr. Julie Hanks. I'm so thrilled with the response and I'm so grateful to all of you who went and downloaded and listened to the podcast and reviewed it. It's gotten a lot of really great reviews. So thank you so much for your support. So I wanted to do something to uh, to celebrate and I thought, let's do a live Q&A. You guys seem to like live Q&As or recorded Q&As or written Q&As. So I thought I'd try this. So happy to see so many of you joining, waving. Hello, hello, everybody. All right, I'm gonna try to uh, pull up the questions through live. I've never done this before. Oh, there they are, yay. Okay. What is your favorite podcast to listen to? So I am a Crime Junkie fan. So the podcast Crime Junkie is one of my favorites. Yeah, true crime. Gotta love it. So how to de-triangulate from family drama triangle. I'm the rescuer most often. Okay. So this is related to a post yesterday and today. So a triangle in a relationship is when like mom talks to adult child about marriage problems with dad. So see, it's this triangle instead of mom talks to dad about their marriage problems. The way you get out of a triangle is to refuse to talk to the person about the other person. So if, if your mom comes to you and says, my marriage is really struggling with your dad and he's, he's depressed and you say, you know, mom, I really think you need to talk to dad about that. I'm not interested in having a conversation with you about how horrible your marriage is right now. That's really not my business. So, or if a sister comes to you talking about how she's mad at one of your brothers, then you say to the sister, you know, I'm really not interested in having this conversation about brother. Uh, I think you need to talk directly to him. And so that's the most direct way to get out of a triangle is to just direct the person to the person they're talking about and refuse to talk about other people if they're not in your presence. That's a really great rule for a lot of relationships. In families, we tend to do these triangulations and they're not healthy. So part of differentiation of self is getting out of the triangles. All right. How do I set a good boundary? If you speak to me this way, I will. So you have to decide what the consequence is if they don't respect your boundary. So that's up to you. If you speak to me this way, I will hang up the phone. If you speak to me this way, I will not respond to any more of your texts. It's not okay. If you speak to me this way, I am going to choose to distance from you and I'm not sure what that will do to our relationship. Whatever you decide to do, make sure it's something that you will actually follow through with, okay? All right, second baby due in a couple of weeks. Lots of anxiety from first birth trauma. Oh, how exciting and how scary. I'm, I'm sorry that your first birth was traumatic. Recognize that all births are different, that everyone is unique. And just because you had a traumatic first experience doesn't mean this one will be. So if you haven't uh, reached out to a friend or a therapist or a partner and talked about how scary 
and how painful or, or whatever happened, talk about it before you go into this birth so you're not overcome with anxiety regarding this birth. So talk about it. Process the emotions about your first birth before you go into this next one. I'm loving these questions. If you have one, go to my stories and there's a, a question box there. How to not feel guilty being sad about something when other people have it worse. That's called comparative suffering. The thing that all human beings have in common is suffering. And so your suffering is not going to look like someone else's suffering. Someone always has it better. Someone always has it worse. Your job is to manage your own suffering, reach out for support and connection, take care of yourself, self-care, all those good things. It's really irrelevant that other people have it worse when it comes to managing your own suffering. So uh, yeah, take good care of yourself and and really try not to compare because there's no comparison. You'll always have it better than some and worse than others. Why is it so easy for me to end a friendship that shakes my trust? And is that unhealthy? It's hard for me to say with so little info on the relationship and what they did to, to shake your trust. It could be that you're, you're selecting friends who aren't trustworthy. And that could be because you are playing a past pattern out in, in your current friendships. It could be that this friend is not trustworthy. So it depends on the situation. If this is a pattern for you and you cut off a lot of friendships, you may want to work with a therapist on that to unpack, like, why is this pattern happening? So if you notice patterns, that's something to pay attention to. I need to step away from the church, spouse still active. What happens to kids? So there are a lot of different ways to navigate a mixed faith marriage and mixed faith parenting. I suggest that you uh, look up mixed faith marriage Facebook groups and follow marriage on a tightrope on Instagram. And they also have a Facebook group to see how other couples have negotiated these kind of things. It depends on the age of the children. If they're mid to late teens, they, you may want to give them more of a choice. If they're a lot younger, then uh, you and your partner need to decide. And you both need to know that you neither will get what you want entirely. So it's about negotiating and compromise. So you may say every other week they go to church with dad and they go to the park with you on the off weeks or however you negotiate it. But you can be creative and there's no right way to do it. Okay, no right way. You have to do what works for your family. Here's a good one. How to learn to accept, accept love for myself. Believe people when they say they love me. We could do a whole, you know, several hours on this and it's not an easy answer. It's actually a journey to love and accept yourself. So I would start by writing down a list of 100 things that are positive about you and looking at that list and going over that list every single day so you can recognize the value that you have. You won't be able to tolerate other people's love and acceptance until you love and accept yourself. And so going through the positive things every day about yourself. And if you can't make this list of a hundred things, ask your loved ones and friends. 
what are some positive qualities that I have? It's really hard to come up with a hundred, but that's why it's, it's a good exercise. You'll learn a lot about yourself. So practice loving yourself, making that list and, and going over it every day. Another practice that I recommend is the practice of self-compassion. Kristen Neff is a researcher who developed the concept of self-compassion, and it has three aspects. One is mindfulness. So that is paying attention to what's going on in your thoughts, feelings, and body in the present moment without judgment. So it's just recognizing what's happening for you. The second is self-kindness. And that's treating yourself when you're suffering as you would treat a beloved other person in your life. Too often when we suffer, we say, oh, I shouldn't feel this way. Or I'm so selfish. Or I'm so self-absorbed. We will say negative things to ourselves instead of what we would say to someone else. Like, oh, I'm so sorry that you're going through such a hard time. And you would reach out to the person. So you can, you can reach out to yourself, touch your heart, touch your arm, comfort yourself. So that's self-kindness. Treat yourself as you would treat a beloved other person in your life. And the third part of self-compassion is common humanity. And that is the idea that all humans suffer And when we are suffering, we tend to withdraw and pull back from relationships when really that's the thing that that binds us all together. So practice self-compassion. That's another way to really develop love and nurturing for yourself by treating yourself in a kind way. How to get along with and talk to siblings you have nothing in common with. So the best thing to do if you have nothing in common is get curious. Ask them about their interests. Curiosity is a bridge when you have nothing in common. People like to talk about what's going on in their lives. So practice being a good listener. Practice asking good questions. And you will find that you will feel more connected to them and they will feel more connected to you. How to feel fulfilled as a stay-at-home parent beyond find joy in the little things and nap. Take good care of you. Put yourself on the list. Include yourself in your circle of care. Too often when we're full-time caregivers, we put ourselves last on the list and we exclude ourselves from the circle of people that we take care of. So put yourself in the mix. What you want matters. What you dream about matters. Your goals matter. What you enjoy matters. So every day take, even if it's a few minutes, take time to do something that brings you joy and happiness. And it may be take 15 minutes to read a novel. It may be lock yourself in the bathroom and have, you know, 20 minutes of quiet time. It may be go for a walk around the block. It doesn't have to be a big thing but it needs to be something that's just for you and you need to build it into your life. So whatever you need to nurture yourself and care for yourself, build it into your life. Ask for support. Ask your partner if you have one. Ask a neighbor to help with the kids. Whatever you need to do, build it into your life. It's your job to find happiness and joy. Your children, it's not their job to give it to you. So take responsibility for that. 
Okay, how do I address hearing the young women's president say part of her job is to prepare the young women for motherhood? I'm happy that she says part of her job because, you know, I think that can be helpful, preparing people, preparing young women to nurture the next generation. But I also think that young men leaders should be preparing young men to be fathers just as much as women are, young women are prepared to become mothers. So that it's part of her job instead of the whole job, I think is good. And I would ask her, what are other parts of your job? What other things do you feel like you need to prepare them for? And ask and get curious about that and then give her input as a parent and say, you know, I really hope that you will emphasize individual worth and a personal relationship with heavenly parents and Jesus Christ. Should I give an explanation to toxic friend why I'm distancing myself or just let it go? No right answer on that. If you want to just say, you know, I need to take a step back from the relationship. It's just not healthy for me right now. And I'll let you know if that changes. So you can say something uh, simple is better than complicated. And you don't even need to give a reason. Just say, I, I need to take a step back. I tend to err on the part of communicate it and then do it versus just, you know, not respond. But that's a way to communicate too, <laughs> that you're taking a step back. But I would, I would tend to say something. My mom is struggling to accept my healthy relationship because I'm gay. Any advice? I would sit down and tell your mom how much it would mean to you to have her acceptance and approval. She may not know how powerful that would be in your life. So I would sit down and request that. Ask her to work on, on moving forward past any hurdles that she has and work toward accepting you and, and your partner. You can't change her, but you can ask directly for what you want from her. And if you have a good relationship and she loves you, she will respond positively. How can I work through anger without artificially creating more? Anger is often, not always, but often a secondary emotion. So ask yourself what vulnerable emotion is underneath the anger? Because anger tends to be a protective emotion. It makes us uh, feel powerful and propels us to set boundaries and do something to protect ourselves. But underneath is usually sadness, fear, or loneliness. So work through the anger by identifying what the vulnerable emotion is underneath the anger and express that. I feel lonely or I feel scared or I feel sad that we're not closer in, in our marriage or whatever the thing is. So identify the other emotion. I also think it's important to distinguish angry feelings from angry behavior. Angry feelings aren't good or bad, but lashing out in anger at other people is destructive. So saying, I'm really mad at you, healthy, but I can't believe, you know, throwing things that unhealthy, any physical force, unhealthy, bad, not good. So distinguish emotion from behavior and we often collapse those into just talking about angry behavior, 
but they are different. I'm grown and married, but resent my mom for getting remarried soon after my dad died, 11 months, help. That is a common feeling for quick remarriages after death. I've worked with a lot of clients who feel the same way, so I just wanna validate that. That's really, really hard. I also encourage you to work toward acceptance that your mom is a grown-up, she gets to make her decisions, and you get to decide how much you want to invest in the relationship with her new spouse. You feeling resentment is probably hurting you more than anyone else. So it would be a gift to yourself to work through the feelings. There's probably grief underneath the resentment. There's probably sadness, loss. So work through those feelings to to work past the resentment. And the goal is to come to acceptance, right? Acceptance doesn't mean you approve or you think it's a good thing. It just means you're at peace and you're not resisting. You're not resisting reality. These are good questions. This is fun. Thanks, everybody. All right. Here's a different kind of question. What influenced you to choose your career path? If you're talking about my therapy career, what influenced me most was positive experiences in therapy as an adolescent and young adult. I went through a very difficult time as a teenager, uh, about 14, 15, 16, and my parents said, we don't know how to help you. And I said, you don't know how to help me. (laughs) And they said, do you want to go talk to somebody? And I said, yes. That was really impactful and opened up a world of intangibles of thoughts and feelings and this new language. And it really, really changed my life and sent me on a different direction than I was heading emotionally. And so I thought, I want to do that for other people. So that is my kind of impetus for my therapy career. I've always loved and been really excited about psychology, sociology, social work. And so it just seemed like a really good fit. Also, empathy is easy for me. So it was a good fit that way. How do husband and I divide responsibilities when we are both students, parents, and work? So if you're both in that situation, then you divide them in half and you decide which ones to let go of. That sometimes is the hardest and particularly hard for women because women are socialized to feel like the household is their responsibility. So I would sit down with your partner, write down everything that needs to be done, everything that needs to be tracked, and decide what you can let go of, what doesn't have to be done, and then how are you going to divide the other chores? Because you're both overwhelmed. If you are in a position where you can hire help, I would do that. Many students are not in that position, so you have to kind of make do. One thing you can do is trade. If there's something that you can do, say you're really good at woodworking and you can, you know, make something for your neighbor and they can, uh, they're good at cleaning. They come in and clean once a week, whatever. Do trades, do bartering, be creative and get your needs met, but divide it evenly, not by gender default. Okay. Okay. Top three things you wish all mothers knew and practiced before and after having child number one. I wish all mothers knew 
that there is grief involved in becoming a mother, that it is not all happy. It is, it is a happy time often, right? You're celebrating this new life and it's exciting. But what I found is there's an equal amount of grief. You've lost control of your body. Your time is not your own anymore. You can't invest in the same way, at least for a while, in your marriage if you have a partner. You don't have as much time and energy to invest in friendships. So allow yourself to feel the sadness and the grief that comes along with motherhood. So that's one thing I wish all mothers knew. I wish all mothers knew that it's their job to set boundaries in regards to caring for their child, asking for support from their partner. Too often moms go into motherhood and don't expect their partner, if they have one, to be an equal partner. And from the get-go, if you can practice equal partnership in caring for your newborn, that is a great way to start and a great pattern. It is so good for men and for children to be engaged with each other from early on. So we often think, oh, mom and baby, dads are really important too. And the more they can be involved, the better. So that's the second thing. The third thing is to advocate for your dreams and your goals within your family system. Becoming a parent doesn't mean you give up who you are. It means you have added responsibilities and you're in charge of this other human, but you do not have to abandon your goals and dreams. They may need to morph. They may need to become more flexible. For example, I, I did my master's with one child and had a baby in the middle of grad school. And I did my master's part-time because I thought, you know what? Time's going to go by anyway. I might as well have my master's degree. So having kids slowed it down, but it didn't stop me from getting my degree. So I would say advocate for yourself and your dreams. So those are the, the three things I wish all moms knew. YSA here, tips on finding a future spouse who also wants to have a partnership family. I would look at your uh, potential spouse's family. How is their family of origin organized? I would talk to them. What do you think about gender roles? What do you think are men's responsibility, women's responsibility? Have conversations about it and be clear. Look, I am looking for a partnership on all levels. And that, I want to clarify, partnership does not mean splitting everything 50-50, that you make half the money, I make half the money. You do half the parenting, I do half the parenting. What it means is that you decide together what's best for your family it's a conscious choice, and no matter how you divide the work, it feels equitable to both parties, and all work is valued, and both parties have access to all of the resources. So it could look like a traditional family, but again, it's conscious choice of structuring your family that way. It's shared power, shared resources, all work is valued. I would uh, make sure that your partner is clear on what you want in a partnership family uh, or your potential partner. And yeah, make it, make it um, 
<laughs> ask them to take a women's studies class or a gender class. That would be really helpful as well. <laughs> okay. I always seek external validation in successes, but always end up upset with the response. How do I fix this? Okay, you fix this by learning how to self-validate. So some people will give you the validation you ask for, some people won't, but you can always give it to yourself. You can always say, I did a really good job. That presentation rocked. Way to go. Way to go, me. <laughs> uh, that self-validation takes practice and it starts by noticing what you're saying to yourself. Are you invalidating yourself? Are you minimizing your accomplishments and successes? Notice your thoughts and work to change those thoughts into positive things. Ask yourself, what would I tell someone else that I care about? I would encourage them. I'd say, good job. Way to go. So practice self-validation and continue to ask for the external validation that you need. My husband and I have kind of this system down where we say, hey, you know, did you see the yard? Ooh, ah. And he goes, ooh, it looks so great. Oh my gosh. So ooh, ah means make a big deal about this. I need some validation. Or, you know, I worked really hard today. Ooh, ah. Oh, thank you so much for working so hard. So you, you can ask directly for what you want. You can have cue words for the, your loved ones. Like I need some validation and it's okay to need, but give it to yourself too. Any books for help with self-differentiation? A really good book for marriage is The Passionate Marriage by David Schnarch. And also my book, The Assertiveness Guide for Women, talks a lot about differentiation of self. My best friend lost her daughter to suicide. Ugh, that's heartbreaking. I am far away, but want to be the best friend possible ideas. I suggest that you write her a handwritten card every week for a long time. I suggest that you put her, her daughter's birthday or the day or the day that she passed away in your calendar. So you can text her on that day and say, I'm thinking about you every month. I would do that for a very long time. And then after a while, do it yearly. Just, I'm thinking about you. I love you. I'm here for you. So remember those dates because they are a time when grief is for sure brought up, right? Anniversaries bring up grief. So, so honor those anniversaries. That's my suggestion. And I'm just so sorry that she's gone through that. That is just heartbreaking. And you're an awesome friend, so that you're even asking the question and thinking about her. How to become okay being a working mom when I always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom? Author Byron Katie has this great quote that I love. It's, if you argue with reality, you lose, but only 100% of the time. Your reality is you are working and you're a mom. That's reality. So you can accept that or resist it. Part of acceptance is grieving. Like my life isn't what I thought it would be. And every adult goes through that in some way. Marriage isn't what I thought it would be. Uh, parenting isn't what I thought it would be. Sex isn't what I thought it would be. 
anything. You know, aging parents isn't what I thought it would be. So allow yourself to feel sad about that dream. You are grieving the loss of an expectation and it's okay to feel sad about it, to honor that, and then to let it go and move toward acceptance. Such good questions. Oh, thank you. Melissa's saying, I love your advice. Thank you. What does therapy look like if you aren't going for one singular issue, but a life of things that were never dealt with? So it looks the same as if you're going in for, for a singular issue. Often people think they're coming in for a singular issue, but it ends up being a lot of other issues as well. So go and find a therapist that you trust, that you can connect with, and trust the process. That's what therapists do. We help guide you through healing whatever you need to heal and develop the tools that you need to move forward in your life. So trust your therapist and their training. Okay, you know what? Let's transition and do some some live questions. So if you have a question, you can type it in the comments and I would love to answer your questions. Oh, I have Julia is from Brazil. Really love your job and everything you do. Thank you so much. I haven't been watching these comments very well. Another one from Brazil. So glad it's not me. Yes, grief. Awesome. So type in a question or a comment. We love going to Nate for play therapy. I thought it was for my kids, but it really is supporting me. That's awesome. Um, Nate is a therapist that works at my clinic, Wasatch Family Therapy, in our Cottonwood Heights, soon-to-be Sandy location. How to trust in God when you're mad at him. What are you mad about? Can you type that in the chat? What are you mad about? One thought that comes to mind is often we project our relationship with men on earth to deity. So is there something going on with your dad that you're mad about? That sounds like such a therapist question, but so yeah, if you're mad, I would talk to God. And when I say God, I mean heavenly parents. So I would let them know that you're mad. Talk to them, pray, unload the anger, and then get to what is the vulnerable emotion underneath it, if there is one. What was the topic of your dissertation? Okay, ready for this? <laughs> Procreating, colon, transforming constraints of creative productivity of mothers through a partnership model of family organization. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> In other words, how to help women remain creatively productive during childbearing years through developing partnership in families. So that's the regular language version of it. How do I know whether a therapist or life coach is a better fit? So therapists treat mental health problems and can do coaching. So if you are wondering, default to a therapist because they can do both. Life coaches are basically healthy, like they work with healthy people to improve their relationships or their life or their careers or whatever. The other difference is therapy is a regulated profession. Life coaching isn't. So be cautious with life coaching. You do not have to have any training or certification to become a life coach. So beware because anybody can just say, oh, I'm a life coach for, you know, faith crisis or I'm a life coach for whatever. So do your research, uh, make sure that they have some credentials, some life experience, something that that is of value. 
So I think of therapy is like medication and coaching is supplements. You can get supplements, you know, at a, at a store, but you have to go to a doctor to get medication, but they can also recommend supplements. So that's, that's kind of another way to think about therapy and life coaching. You are wonderful. Thank you, Andrew. Missionaries often find themselves caught in a fishbowl of toxic masculinity. How would you recommend that elders promote female empowerment in social environments? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wish I had an easy answer for that. Uh, I would say treat women with equal respect. So how would I treat a man? You treat a woman with that equal level of, of respect. You could also encourage them to call out toxic masculinity. If Jesus Christ is our example, he has no toxic masculinity. He never modeled that. You can call people out and just say, look, you know, I, I think a Christ-like approach to this would be X. It's hard in a patriarchal system to make things equal, but uh, those are just some suggestions. Please give advice on a brilliant teen who struggles with depression so he is not getting good grades. I want to support and also encourage. Get support. Get a therapist. Does your teen have a therapist? Is your therapist helping helping your teen develop coping skills? So support and encourage him by validating his experience and listening, but don't rescue. Don't do his homework for him. Depression is a, a real illness, so it is appropriate to talk with the teachers about extending time for assignments and things like that, because sometimes depression is debilitating and you cannot do something. Uh, it depends on the type of depression that he's suffering from. So empathize, get therapy, consider medication evaluation if he's not getting better. There is treatment. Depression is common and it's very treatable. How do I truly understand and empathize with my spouse's new beliefs without destroying my own? You do not need to go into the details of why your spouse is leaving. If you feel like that would be threatening to your faith, what you should do is talk about the feelings that he or she is having the feelings of a lot of people feel betrayed. So listen to the feelings and help him or her focus on the feeling that they're experiencing instead of the details and minutia of, of the research they've done or things like that. So if you want to protect your own faith, continue doing the spiritual practices that are meaningful to you. I've met many of my teen early adult dreams. How do I come up with new dreams for the rest of my life? Stay at home mom here. Continue to dream. What's next? What are you going to do when all your kids are in school or when they're all gone? Start imagining adding more to your life when it feels right for you and your family. So I can't, I can't tell you what that is, but be creative. Imagine. Okay. And plan. What can I, what steps can I be taking right now? to work toward when my kids are all in school or toward when I'm an empty nester. What do I want my life to look like then? Because being a full-time parent is a temporary job. So plan for your, uh, your retirement. <laughs> Advice on finding the right fit in a therapist. Cold calls have been draining and demotivating. This is the first time I've been looking. A really great resource 
is psychologytoday.com. They have a therapist finder. You can search by location, insurance, gender, specialty areas. There's a picture. Some of them have videos. They have a bio. You can kind of get a feel and do some weeding out through Psychology Today. So that's what I would recommend. I would also ask friends and family who, who they like. There's nothing like a personal referral for a therapist. And I'm sorry that you're having a hard time. I know a lot of therapists are really slammed right now. People are under a lot of stress. And so anyway, keep going, keep searching, put feelers out among friends and family. How do you feel about bishops asking women if they are having sex when they didn't go to the bishop to talk about that topic? I think that's inappropriate. I think women have every right to say, Bishop, that's an inappropriate question. That's not why I'm here. Simple. I'm mad about a situation, uh, situations that have happened. I'm always feeling like I've got the short end of the stick. Okay. So ask yourself, why do I keep repeating this pattern? What is this about underneath it? And what is my earliest memory of experiencing this pattern? How do you move from grieving stage of grieving that something isn't what you thought it would be to the acceptance stage? You allow yourself to feel the grief. You can journal about it. You can talk to friends about it, talk to a therapist about it. You can set aside time every day or once a week for an hour, whatever you decide, this is my time to grieve. I'm going to go into that emotion. I'm going to feel it. I'm going to cry. I'm going to express it. And then I'm going to put myself back together and move forward. And over time, you can move through that. I've never had a desire to have kids. I don't think it's a problem. Lots of people, especially in the church, think it's a problem and that there is something wrong with me. How to respond? Well, my favorite thing is my womb is none of your business. So it's not up for public discussion. So if people give you a hard time, you just say that's that's not up for discussion. It's none of your business because it's not. Last time I had a big life event happen for me, my younger sisters were critical of the change, of that change. Now I have another big life event that I'm about to announce. How do I address their criticism? Um, I'm curious what the event is and what their criticism is. It's hard for me to address that. What I would suggest is preemptively going to them and saying, what I would really appreciate from you is support and acceptance of this life change and ask them for what you want. Then if they criticize you, you can distance from them. You can tell them that was hurtful. And then you can also develop a little bit thicker skin and, you know, they can think what they want. That doesn't have to impact your emotions or your decisions. Lindsay says, love that. Your dissertation sounds fascinating. It was an amazing experience. And next to natural childbirth was the hardest. No, it was actually harder than natural childbirth four times. How to reconcile loving the gospel, but not the racism of the past and present that shows up with those you fellowship and serve with. You do not have to reconcile past racism or current racism. You shouldn't reconcile it. It's wrong. It's wrong then. It was wrong then. And it's wrong now. So don't reconcile it. Work to change it and do whatever you can to educate yourself. Read about racism. Read books by people of color. Educate yourself and 
do whatever you can, but you don't have to reconcile it because it's wrong. Is there a Dr. Julie Hanks equivalent for men? <laughs> I'm here for the men too. I'm here for you. I don't know. I'll have to do some research on that. Never had a great example of a good marriage. I want to create a good marriage with my husband, but I don't know what that looks like. What I suggest is look around at people who've been married for you know, some length of time and seem really happy and fulfilled and talk to them about their marriage and the details and ask questions. How much time do you spend together? Do you spend time alone? What do you do to show love? Just ask, start researching, read books. There are great marriage books by the Gottmans, John and Julie Gottman. There's also a great book called Getting the Love You Want by Harville Hendricks. Educate yourself, get curious about other people's relationships. And one good thing about your situation is that you can create whatever you want. So good luck to you. That's exciting. Ever since I was a child, church, the LDS church, has been associated with fear and toxic perfectionism. How do I disconnect those feelings I have with the church? Well, I can relate, not to the fear, but to the toxic perfectionism. You recognize and separate the church culture. So there's three things at play here. Your family culture, which is your own version of the church, the broader church culture, and then the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I would sit down and write down like what messages fall into which category and sort through it. And then as you sort through it, remember to focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ, not on the church and not on the way your family did church or religion. So a lot of families use the church in very toxic ways. Start sorting through that, I think is a good place to start. You should be giving talks in general conference. <laughs> That's, that'll be the day. <laughs> I work full-time and love it. However, finding reliable childcare has been difficult. When childcare falls through, I am always the default caregiver. How do I better share that responsibility? So you sit down with your partner and you say, we need to change the way we do the default caregiving when, when our childcare falls through. We're going to trade off every other day, every other time. It's going to be yours than mine. That's what I would like. How do you feel about that? What do you think? You know, does that, do you agree? Will you, and you have a conversation about it. Just be, be straightforward. And you can express, you know, I feel resentment that I've been the, the default caregiver when we both work full time. That's, it's not fair. And I want it to change. I'm comfortable where I stand in my faith transition, except when it comes to my sister. I find myself hiding things or flat out lying. Tried to set boundaries. Did not go well. Advice. You do not owe anyone an explanation or you don't need to tell them about your faith crisis or faith transition if you don't want to. It's okay to, to not share things. I'm curious about the boundaries that you set that didn't go well. If you want to tell me a little bit more about that, that would be helpful. If it didn't go well, then you may need to take a break from the relationship for a while or tell her, hey, I need you to respect my boundaries or we need to, I need to step back for a little bit because I'm going through a, a difficult transition. Thoughts on accepting childless life not by choice after hysterectomy. 
seeing a counselor, but still struggling at times. Allow yourself to grieve. If this was not by choice, you have expectations that you have to grieve. So allow yourself to grieve. And I'm glad you're working with a therapist. This will be an ongoing process. Different uh, events or things that happen in life may or will likely bring up the grief again. It's going to be layers of grief that you go through and you'll be fine for a while. And then something will bring up another layer. And that's just how grief is. Thanks for your time. Can you save this whole thing to a highlight? Yes, I can save it. And I'm also, since this is all about celebrating 10,000 downloads of my new podcast, Ask Dr. Julie Hanks, I think we're going to do a bonus episode of this whole Q&A on the podcast. So you'll have that as well. Stay at home mom here. Thank you for giving me the virtual support to go to college. You're welcome. Yay. I will cheerlead you all the way. So let me know if you need me. I'm LDS and don't believe the discouragement to avoid tattoos and multiple piercings was God given, but rather personal opinion of church leaders. I would like to get them, but keep getting hung up. Okay. You get to claim your personal authority over your life, your faith, and your body. So if you do not believe that it was God given and you have not received a confirmation of that and you feel fine about doing that, that's up to you. I remember when that counsel was given and it was given as counsel and suggestion, not as a commandment. That was my impression for what that's worth. Do you have a list of books you recommend for various issues? Yeah, I'm just looking at my, I have a huge bookshelf uh, of tons of books. So maybe I'll do some stories with book recommendations. I like that. You are amazing. Thank you. What clinic recommendations for ADHD coach for spouse? Nothing off the top of my head. Why don't you DM me or actually email me, julie at drjuliehanks.com. How can I best show support for someone that is grieving? You can say, I am here for you. Uh, I mentioned earlier, remember the anniversaries of the loss. That means a lot. Sit by them, go to their house, do chores. Just, Just see what needs to be done and do it. I can easily get triggered by talks in church or discussions about the gospel because I never feel like I'm doing enough. What do I do about this? I suggest you pray to feel the love of Jesus Christ and to feel your unconditional worth to your heavenly parents. Because once you experience that, you realize that it's not about anything that you're doing, that you already have love, that you already have acceptance. So that's what what I would suggest. We often think that we need to earn blessings or earn love or earn worth. And we have worth because we exist and we get blessings because our heavenly parents love us. So I would pray for those things, pray to experience that difference. How to manage family members who will not respect boundaries. um, I wish I had a little more information on this. You have to act. If, If someone like multiple times steps over your boundary or disregards, then it's time to act. So if you do this again, I will leave your house or I will not come to the party again, or we will not have contact for a few months. 
because it's not okay. So you're going to have to take action. So, oh, we've already gone over an hour. (laughs) This has been so much fun. Thank you. And so many of you have hung around and listened. So I want to thank you again for your support of my podcast, Ask Dr. Julie Hanks. I am loving doing it. I'm loving coaching people. I would love to coach any of you who have a question. So just reach out to me. I will post a link to the form to fill out if you want to be on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening, for subscribing. And if you haven't yet, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. That is really helpful in spreading the word about the podcast. Also, please share my content with other people. I love interacting and sharing information that I think is helpful for you on social media. And it's just one of the bright spots of my life. So thank you. Share, share, share. Oh, I also want to celebrate. I got verified on Instagram last night and on Facebook. So, you know, it's kind of cool. (laughs) My kids were impressed. Uh, I want to thank you for being here. I'll just check a few more of the comments. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thanks. Appreciate your podcast. Yay. Um, podcast is wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I really uh, do care about you and want to help you improve your lives. So that's why I'm here. If there's anything I can do to support you, just, just reach out to me, Julie at drjuliehanks.com. It's been so fun. Thanks for celebrating with me. Have you ever thought, hey, I want to talk to Dr. Julie Hanks about this question? Well, now's your chance. I want to have you on my podcast. So email hello at drjuliehanks.com with your question and the reason why you want to be on the podcast. And we may just choose you for a free coaching session.